The Guardian. It's certainly been a difficult year so far, and busy here on the podcast, as we've followed the discovery, spread and development of treatments for COVID-19. The new virus that's been identified in Wuhan, that that was a respiratory transmitted virus. The idea being that if we do nothing, you will typically get this exponential growth in cases early on and a high peak. There's been a focus on all sorts of numbers. We've talked a lot about the R value. I've noticed, in fact, that the cases reported on from intensive care, that there is a higher proportion of people with raised BMI. I'm Sarah Bosley. I'm in sample. I'm Hannah Devlin. I'm Nicola Davis. And this is Science Weekly. I thought it was about time that Science Weekly deserved to take a trip to somewhere I'm pretty sure there aren't any flying or quarantine restrictions yet. Space. And what could be more appropriate for 2020 than flinging yourself directly into a black hole? As well as the obvious escapism, we also thought it would be worth visiting the subject of this year's Nobel Prize in Physics to find out more about one of the most enigmatic phenomena in the universe. Black holes rotate space into time and time into space. So that for me on the outside, I'm thinking, I'm watching or suspecting that you must be falling towards the singularity in the center of a sphere, but you feel you're approaching the singularity inevitably in your future. I'm Madeline Finlay, and I hope you're ready to go. Thankfully, we've got an expert captain for the journey, who auspiciously has written a book called Black Hole Survival Guide. I'm Jan Levin. I'm a professor of astronomy and physics at Barnard College of Columbia University, and I'm also director of sciences at Pioneer Works. Jana, thanks for agreeing to join me for this trip. In the words of Star Trek, we're about to go where no man has been before, into the inner depths of a black hole. Just so I know what I'm getting myself in for, what exactly is a black hole? Black holes are almost more of a place than they are a thing. Although sometimes they pretend to be things, they act like things. But you really have to think of a black hole as a place. It's a place in space-time where, in fact, there is nothing. I, I think people have heard the usual story that goes something like this, that there was once a star, it was very heavy, it had a very short life relative to other stars. It collapses under its own weight when it runs out of thermonuclear fuel to, to keep it supported and bright. It collapses catastrophically so that it pushes the matter so dense that it creates a curve in space-time that is so strong that to escape you would have to travel faster than the speed of light. That's what we call the event horizon. Now what happens then is that a lot of people mistakenly imagine that there's this dense object there that you go up to the event horizon and you knock on this very dense thing. But that's impossible because to stay at the event horizon, the matter would have to travel at the speed of light and it can't do that. So instead, the matter is forced to continue to collapse and it leaves behind this empty event horizon. The event horizon is simply a shadow. It's utterly empty of stuff. And it leaves it behind in the space as a place where you cannot sit still and you cannot escape. You have no choice but to fall inward. Bear 
bearing in mind, I want to have the time to experience what it's actually like to fall inside a black hole. I think we should go for a big one. Where is the biggest black hole that we've observed? You are well advised to go into a big black hole. Um, first of all, it's a good decision. And, and the reason why it's a good decision is because it's actually more gentle, which might surprise people. For instance, if you're standing on a basketball, you're much more aware of the curvature of the basketball than you are the curvature of the whole Earth. And uh, similarly, the way the black hole is curving space-time, you will not notice the curvature of a very large black hole, surprisingly, as you approach it anywhere near as much as you would of a smaller black hole, which would actually, like your feet on the basketball, affect different parts of your body differently. And that's when you get into like a lot of trouble. <laughs> so you could kind of very gently set up shop around a very massive black hole, go into orbit like the International Space Station and begin your explorations there. The biggest black hole in our Milky Way galaxy goes by the name Sagittarius A-star. And that black hole is precisely the black hole for which half of the Nobel Prize uh, was awarded this year. That was exactly the black hole that they were looking at. They were looking at stars orbiting that black hole. It's about 26,000 light years away, so it would take a while to get there. And it's about 4 million times the mass of the sun. We've got a black hole, which is 4 million times the mass of our sun. But how big is it? The fascinating thing about black holes, one of their fundamental attributes is that they're physically, spatially small. If you took a black hole the mass of the sun, it would only be about six kilometers across. And if you compare that to the 1.5 million kilometers of the sun, that's incredibly small. That, that fits in my city, Manhattan. <laughs> um, if you take a black hole four million times the mass of the sun, you get an event horizon that's correspondingly four million times larger meaning if it was six kilometers for the sun, it's 24 million kilometers for the supermassive black hole. But compared to the size of the sun, that's less than 20 times across. If we pick Sagittarius A to journey onto, how long is it going to take us to get there? You mentioned it was many light years away. How fast are we going to have to go? That's actually a helpful trick from relativity is that the faster you go, the more contracted you perceive the distance between the Earth and Sag A star. And so you will actually get there in a shorter time in terms of your experience of the passage of time because of the relativity of space and time. But on Earth, there's nothing we can do about it. It will appear to us that it has taken you 26,000 light years. So if you go incredibly near the speed of light, you could do the trip in one year <laughs> if, you, if you go really, really fast. But um, you will experience the passage of one year and you'll, you'll arrive vigorous with youth, but when you look back on the earth, civilizations will have come and gone, uh, climates will have changed, and 26,000 years will have elapsed, minus one. So we're undertaking this journey with heavy hearts that we're abandoning all we know back here on Earth, but still I'm curious to go. Janet, we've jumped in our 
spacecraft which has enough power to go close to the speed of light and we've done our year of traveling towards Sagittarius A star and we've read our books and watched all the films we possibly can. Now that we're approaching it, is the black hole the same all the way around? Do we need to be careful of anything? If the black hole does not have matter around it, if, if we call it a bare black hole, it's just sitting there by itself, then most angles are about the same. If the black hole's spinning, it's slightly different from the spinning side or another side, but, but essentially you'll find that everything's roughly okay. However, if it is surrounded by a lot of matter and if it's really active, like it's taking down entire stars and clumps of matter, it will very possibly create these magnetic storms, which are jets that come out of the black hole. And the jets very probably are coming out along the spin axis. So if you imagine the spin of the earth, they'd be coming out along the poles, the spin poles. And so you really don't want to do that because these jets at their strongest are like ray guns. Um, they're like huge astrophysical ray guns spewing out x-rays and gamma rays and things that are quite lethal. And that's true even for small black holes um, that are quite lethal to life. But if it's a big, supermassive black hole, the jets can be so tremendous, millions of light years across, they can even punch holes in neighboring galaxies <laughs> and they can destroy life on exoplanets in those neighboring galaxies. So um, you definitely want to steer clear of the jets. How close are we going to be able to get? Well, the fascinating thing about black holes is that as an explorer, you can get incredibly close to uh, the center of a black hole. So if you think about, let's stick with Sag A star, let's say we're at Sagittarius A star, it does not have jets coming out. It's, it's pretty quiet. You know, there's some activity going on, but, but nothing terribly lethal. So you could try to set up an orbit. The black hole, 4 million times the mass of the sun, is only about 17 times the width of the sun across. You can get closer and closer and closer to the black hole, and all of the mass remains in front of you, no matter how close you approach. That's clearly not true with the sun. You get closer and closer inside, and you, you've left some of it behind you. And so actually, the sun curves space less. It just it, it eases off, in some sense, as the matter in front of you eases off. But with the black hole, it's always in front of you. So you can get incredibly close to the center of a black hole, not be incinerated in the atmosphere, and stay outside uh, the event horizon and safely set up an orbit. I would recommend staying in the space station if I were you. If you set up your space station, <laughs> uh, I recommend staying inside. But of course, the scientist is going to be unable to resist the compulsion to go explore. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a proposition for you. Why don't you stay here on the spaceship so you can transmit the podcast back to Earth? Okay. <laughs> and I'll head out on my own. So I'll put on all my space gear and open the hatch and cut all the ties. Right, Jana, I hope you can still hear me. As I'm approaching the black hole, how am I going to know when I've reached it? For that big black hole, you might not know. You would drift right across the event horizon to some extent as though nothing had happened. For you, it should be quite normal. The only way you would really start to realize something had happened would be if light fell in behind you 
and you started to realize it looked different when the light fell in behind you slightly than it did on the outside when you saw the entire shadow. Now the light's coming in behind you and it's racing behind you really quickly. So it's, it's wild that black holes can be bright on the inside, even if they're dark on the outside. From what you've said, it sounds like I've made it to the edge of the event horizon and things seem a little weird. You seem to be going a bit fast. So what's going on? Yeah, so, so as I'm orbiting in my space station, my clocks are evolving at a certain rate that is that is in tune with my biological clock and the rate at which movies are playing and music is playing and plants are blooming and dying on the space station. But as you start to travel closer and closer to the black hole, your time appears to run slowly to me. And my time appears to run more quickly to you. And that's again, this relativity of space and time in action, that the black hole is warping not just space, but also time. And the closer and closer you get to the event horizon, the more sped up I will appear. I'll start to appear at a ridiculous pace. I'll have aged and died before you cross the event horizon. But for you, it could be a matter of minutes. That shift in, in, in the time is an inevitable aspect of approaching the event horizon. For me on the outside, it actually appears to me that you've frozen as you've hit the event horizon and have stopped sending me signals and have stopped your, as though your time has stopped altogether, even though that's not your perception. It's quite a harmless experience for you. That's it for today. Science Weekly will be slowly drifting towards the event horizon until Thursday, when I hope you can rejoin me and Jan Eleven as finally I take the plunge. While you're crossing the event horizon, it's not too bad, but at some point as you approach that singularity in your future, it has the effect of basically flaying you ripping you to shreds, your ligaments would tear and break, you become compressed, stretched, spaghettified, and eventually torn into your fundamental bits, meaning your subatomic particles, and even those eventually fall into the singularity, at which point we don't know what happens to them. See you then. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.